Hey, what's up? This is Menle Golakai Agri. And this is Lauren Yoshiko, and you're listening to Broccoli Talk, a podcast for cannabis lovers. So fall has truly arrived. Yes. Rain has fallen. I'm mostly done with my transition routine, as in summer clothes have been put away and busting out the sweaters. The the thick socks are out in the light again and um, <laughs> dug out my heavier face cream from the depths of my cabinet. But yeah, I mean... I've been thinking a lot about patterns and routines as we shift into a new season, and that is why I wanted to talk all about them for today's episode. I want to break down the structures that exist within our lives, understand what they do or don't do for us, and see where weed fits into these rhythms. Yes, but before we dive in, here's to follow up from last month's episode about Broccoli's new book, A Weed is a Flower. Finally, the book is here, and you can pick up a copy of our new hardcover photography book at broccolimag.com slash shop. We also dropped a really cute new mushroom-themed water bottle in the Broccoli shop so you can hydrate while looking at beautiful weed art. But anyway, promo aside, how have you been, Lauren? What's new? Let's do a little catch-up. Okay, things have been good. Things have been good. Let's see. When we're recording this, I haven't yet gone to Vegas for the weed conferences, but I think when this launches, my recap will be out. So I'm really excited to be going to MJ Unpacked and MJ BizCon. And it's my first time actually ever going to what is now like probably the just by scale larger, largest weed conference, like businessy business conference. And I'm excited. I'm excited to go people watch. I've also only been to Vegas for like a bizarre 21st birthday experience with (laughs) multiple generations of my family in play. We're talking Nana was there throwing craps. But um, this will be very different. This will be like fully business. I get to bust out the blazer and put on my like broccoli report cap, which is really exciting. (laughs) I have little business cards. Dope. They made me business I need to cards. see them. Oh, they're very cute. I wish I could be there with you. I've never been to any of those biz cons. And so go forth. I hope that you enjoy them. And the people watching is going to be good. There's weed parties. Yeah. Oh, the people watching is going to be I really don't know what to wear. There's so many surreal elements. Like we're talking Las Vegas location, very businessy business conference context, but like weed. So... <laughs> Still TBD there. I need to figure out some some fun yes, weed reporter fun outfits. Uh, also seeking any advice on traveling when your cat is so needy. <laughs> I'm so stressed out to leave my cat. He's so sad. I will leave for like, if I'm gone for like half a day, like doing groceries or doing something away from the house because I do work from home. Sometimes I'll come home and open the front door and he literally is sitting on like the rug in front of the front door just like waiting. Does he respond well to CBD? I don't know. I've never like done a really good test with stuff I really trusted. Like I did it with some free yeah. CBD that was very random someone sent me and I needed just conscious. I think Tonic makes some pet stuff that I want to try out because their hemp is strong as hell. <laughs> and So if there's anything that I feel like that would be a good start. Is Chula going to make some, some mojito treats for me? 
I mean, we might. You never know. We might do a little recipe for like dog treats. <laughs> I don't know. That would be so fun and nerdy. Yeah. Speaking of Chua, you just did a little a little cross journey across the continent for Chua. How was your trip? Oh, child, it was it was wonderful. Sedemekis to NYC. Um, it was like very community driven. It was hella expensive. It was chaotic and joyful and a very like sensory overloaded type of work trip. I bet. But we we ended up working with Humble Bloom to curate this really beautiful, intentional like series of real life events just to kind of reconnect with community. And I think almost even as like a hard launch for Chula, right? Especially launching during Truly. the pandemic. Yeah. And it was it was beautiful to like have a couple moments back home in Staten Island where I was born and I got to see my niece and kind of drive around and smoke Delta 8 in the rental car. Like it was those were those small moments of of joy. And, you know, to even speak to this episode, I think one thing that centers sort of cannabis and routines and rituals in general were just those moments of reflection. Actually, with my therapist, we were kind of talking about like this process of being away from home and how, you know, you can kind of feel a lot of shame and guilt when you stop doing these rituals and these routines that are really like nourishing and good for you when you're away. But I think what was enjoyable was just being able to take those moments of mindfulness and be like, okay, yes, today is a hella stressful, hectic day. And I'm going to have all these things to do. So what I'll give myself as like a treat or as a sense of like self, a self-care ritual is to just like be slow and breathe or like, no, I can't finish everything or like have this joint outside right. across the street from the hotel room, you know. And so that was a huge takeaway, I think, even from this trip and, and kind of intersecting with this episode. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about this. God Likewise, I mean, should we do it? Let's get it. Let's start with the basics. Can you walk me through like a typical day, a weekday, weed included? I'm curious to hear if a schedule comes naturally or if it is something that you like routinely follow each day. I think depending upon where I wake up and how early, my cannabis routine tends to sometimes start with like a very early 6.30 a.m. wake and bake, sort of like when I'm first to rise and I find myself having an ample amount of time to really just enjoy that elevated state, right, that's like not rushed or in like a space of feeling guilty about not reading emails, etc., but I think for those days that there are tight schedules, I find that cannabis tends to like be out of the schedule, right? Like out of the day, the daily schedule, because I need to have like a little bit more spaciousness and clarity surrounding the other things that are going on. Okay, 630. Can I just ask, what time do you go to bed regularly? How the hell do you achieve that? I, I mean, I think we talked about this, like I had to sleep train myself like a child. And so <laughs> I try to be in bed by like 10, 45, 11. And okay. even okay. if that means I'm like doing a doom scroll for like a half hour or like pretending to read a book or what have you, even just being in bed, I think like forces me to at least like try to get some sleep. So I would say I'm probably like knocked out by 12. 
11.30 if I'm lucky. I applaud you. I applaud you. I don't know. I'm just getting old, Lauren. But I'm curious, <laughs> though, about like your day in the life, because I think sometimes we have intersecting similarities when it comes to the fact that we smoke weed every day. But <laughs> I know that it's probably like with purpose and intention in terms of like your personal schedule. I could probably <laughs> use a little more mindfulness with my relationship with weed, as hilarious as that is for how much I talk about mindful consumption of this plant. But I mean, living in a city where weed is affordable enough to buy a lot of it for the average mm-hmm. income level is a real <laughs> interesting scenario <laughs> because there is pretty fucking great flour for literally any price range in Portland. Right. Like that's just a flat out rea- reality of the supply here. It's fucking very great to be a consumer in a saturated market where people really care about yes. quality. Like farmers have so much pride. It's like I get to trust like a four or five dollar gram in many places in Portland. And that's such a privilege as a stoner. But um, because of that, I I smoke. It's like very habitual and maybe more habitual than ritual at times. Like mm, I think we've talked about weed in the morning. It's like sometimes when you wake up early, it is such a like reward. You're like treating yourself for get for waking up earlier than you really wanted to. And that's typically the vibe. I I would I love mornings. I want to be more of a morning person and I just also really love nighttime and really love staying awake as late as I want. And that's a really complicated balance to meet. So typically I'm helping bribe myself awake with weed. And I am definitely a believer in the combination of coffee and weed. I Amen. I know those are, there's like its own addictive. Oh, and I love sugary coffee. So I just really (laughs) wham my body full of all the stimulants. Really, first thing, let's get going. Let's charge into action. But I love the mornings. Like I really like the quiet, chill crispness of mornings. Like it makes me productive as hell. So I do go hard like until until midday. Like I would say I'm in a total happy like productive high from all the stimulants coursing through my veins from from like 8 a.m to noon I hear that like consistently and even if it's like a weekend and I don't have work to do like I go hard at errands like I love getting a bunch of stuff done in the morning and then by the time I'm hitting that midday all the stimulants start to wane. I'm in withdrawals for everything. I lose all productivity. And the afternoons are not. I I really believe and love like the siesta rhythms of some Latin American cultures. I am just into pausing and doing other things and fully leaving my desk in the afternoon part of the day. I don't even like scheduling interviews after 3 p.m. Like I have to I have to make some sacrifices, but yeah, I really like to make space for me to be spacey in the afternoons because yeah. I've just learned that I, I'm i a great writer from in the morning and I'm a great writer at, after dinner for a window of like three hours at night when like no one's calling me, no one's texting me, I don't need to be on socials and I get to just zone in and realistically it is when I do my most efficient, good work creatively Mm -hmm. so I'm 
I'm embracing it and I'm making my afternoons weirder and making room to cook dinner because I also enjoy that for the first time. And and that's been my routine lately is like a.m. work sesh, p.m. checkout and whatever non-work sesh and uh, and then a little nighttime work sesh from a little, the night owl in me. And like weed, I don't necessarily need to calendar in time for seshes on my on my calendar. Those are those are built into the day. Um, but <laughs> yo, I love you so much. Oh my god, I I yeah, it's like I need to schedule out all the rest of the stuff. Uh, for sure. What about you? Uh, where does weed fit in or interrupt your routines? Honey, same as you. We are literal twin flames in that way. Like, I smoke weed every day, yay. even if it's a vape, even if it's like tinctures in my, mm-hmm. my coffee or just under my tongue. Like, it's it's something that also is pre-planned, pre-programmed from here since 1998 until the day I die. <laughs> um, and yes, there definitely are, I think, moments of pause where I want to take a tolerance break or I just have like something really cerebral that I need to do where like I can't have something that's psychotropic Mm -hmm. interacting with my brain and so yeah maybe I'll just like hold off for a couple days or a couple hours or whatever that looks like Um, but it is absolutely a rhythm that I love to have and that is very much a part of my life and so I think like with any routine, if you want to make that routine consistent and a healthy part, you sort of, it has to fit into the other routines and to the way you live, right? It can't take over your life, but it should hopefully support it and soothe you yes. in some way. Puff into the present moment with Puff Herbals, a wellness brand centered around the ritual of smoking. Their blends are formulated by a clinical herbalist and come in three varieties, Signature, Sleepy, and Stimulating. Signature features euphoric damiana and magical wormwood. Sleepy contains dream-enhancing mugwort and English lavender, and Stimulating mixes clarifying peppermint with exhilarating holy basil. Plus, marshmallow, mullein, and skullcap round out each blend for a smooth, mellow smoke. Puff Herbal's smoking blends are available loose leaf for rolling solo or in pre-rolled spliffs paired with specially selected hemp flower strains. Use the code BROCCOLITALK for 20% off your purchase at puffherbals.com. Puff Herbals. Smoke weeds every day. When it comes to to routines and rituals, I I have to say, Lauren, you, Charlotte from Deux, and my baby sister, Janelle, I think have opened my eyes to the, like, psychologically soothing and physical benefits of skincare routines. Like, for the... I mean, we can't not (laughs) talk about skincare routines. We can't. And for the longest time, I was, like, a hippie cis, like, mountain man that would literally just use whatever, like, natural face wash... (laughs) And like face lotion was at the aisle in the co-op. But now I've turned into this 
I, I think perhaps because I'm just a couple years shy of being 40, but like my skincare routine is such a robust, like strong ritual. Even if it's just opening up the medicine cabinet, like full of oils and tincture bottles and like slathering shit on my face, like it somehow has become such a important facet of my nighttime routines. Yeah, the skincare routine being a ritual, it's interesting, right? Because I got raised by women who were definitely like some traditional lotions and potions kind of gals. Like every time my mom gets out of the shower, like whatever's there, lotion is going to, whatever she can find, there's always going to be something she puts onto her skin. Like my grandma won't go to sleep without doing her routine. And she's got, I mean, yeah, they, they take really good care of their skin, but it wasn't ever about like buying the nicest stuff. Like they didn't, they bought like grocery store stuff. They just were really good about always wearing it, like always putting on a neck cream. And now I spoil Mm -hmm. them. And like at Christmas time, I'll get like my mom Shiseido or whatever. And she'll have that for a few months. And also sort of the act, you know, when you were describing this lineage of your the maternal side of your family, just like putting on moisturizer as as African children or children of an African mother, like the, the moisturizer is always necessary. Like that is very much so. I didn't think about that being a ritual. After the shower, you if you don't want to be an ashy motherfucker you're putting on lotion but this idea of like touching your body yes uh, you know like to create like creating that moment of like true care which you were getting at and is, like being naked for five minutes in the mirror also yeah Some, being oh. naked for five minutes in the mirror alone you know like doing your thing and like caring for your body is just and through the the vessel of moisturizer or oil or cream is just everything it's just really everything Mm -hmm. okay we've been talking about like routines we love but I mean my friend you're always talking about being like this multi-personality capital G Gemini so I'm sort of like hold up like (laughs) do you love routine though like, does it give you peace? Does routine ever stifle you? Or do you, like, I am curious, how does Menley feel about that, like, some predictability? That is an excellent question, my friend. And yes, as everyone's tired of me saying, as the capital G, five placements in Jen and I, I think that <laughs> it actually lends itself to me leaning really heavily onto my Virgo moon placement, which is in like the fourth house of body and emotion, you know? And so I like, it's just that one placement. I'm just all air and fire and I have that one earth and it is such a, I think planet, it at least for me, an expression that thrives off of like routines and schedules and like systems of organizing and analyzing, even if that's self-criticism and all the other things but so ritual and routines I think like morning and nighttime routines and even routines where I'm consuming cannabis really soothe my nervous system because I am so hyper active but in terms of the way I think my brain tends to function and like how active I always feel inside those routines do help soothe me and speaking of I think schedules because we're talking about it a little bit but weed and work feel like a very sometimes trying but also probably (laughs) nourishing uh, collaboration, you know, and it's like finding that balance is maybe a lifelong thing, but you are, you know, well, both of us, I guess, are like freelance entrepreneurs and 
I think the idea of work-life balance can be kind of elusive. Um, Do you like to use weed when you're working? Is there a certain form of consumption that you rely on? It's so interesting. Like, of the many stigmas around weed, I think internally for people who are in the industry and in weed even like the last enduring stigma that we are all still dealing with is this question of like productivity weed being okay to consume liberally and it not being like a problem like we would think about somebody being drunk at work repeatedly like Mm -hmm. the finding the difference there and there have been times where I've had like really awesome conversations with people where I I said something sort of like guilting myself about like, yeah, I really need to cut back. And they were sort of like, you know, would you ever like say that about coffee? Would you ever say that you should take like a caffeine tolerance break, which is like a fair question. Like being addicted to anything is a thing. And being aware of how your body reacts to things is very good. But it is Mm -hmm. sort of like, oh my God, like sugar wreaks havoc on our bodies and and again like alcohol is shoved down our throats on airplanes and it's like wreaks way worse havoc on our bodies and so I do catch myself like going between like all right I can't there are points where I absolutely edit clearer when I'm less stoned and at the same time like when I have work to get done and I feel really stressed and I feel like okay I shouldn't smoke I need to just focus and get shit done that like that's kind of feeding into some old world thoughts like maybe absolutely that little hint of guilt that is around this conversation is what I am speaking to of like mm-hmm. Just redefining what productivity and work means. Like, what does it mean right. to be? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It is a way spacier, spacier, larger conversation. So, like, where weed and work fits in is still definitely an evolving thing. How I view it is from the point of productivity and how it's very rooted in white supremacy theory, right? Like, you have to work these long hours and, like, suffer, And that is essentially work. And I think that stems back to, dare I say, what it means to be an enslaved person. And like you're working, you have to work these grueling long hours. And like that's the definition of work. Right. And so I think like even looking at it through that lens of who is often uh, stigmatized for being high while working or et cetera, has a lot to do with that, too. And it's just it's just going to be an ongoing relearning that I think a lot of us have to do. When you think about consuming cannabis while you're quote unquote working or creating or whatever that is, it's like denying that joy that you perhaps may get from it if you're using it again, quote unquote recreationally, because I think it sometimes it's always medical. I was scrolling this morning and came across this post from Gossamer It was a quote from uh, this woman who owns a shea butter line, this African woman. And she quoted that like some of her greatest accomplishments have been done while high and honestly, most of them. And I'm kind of just like I come back to that or at least these past couple hours. And I'm like, literally my whole life, our whole lives at this point, not only surrounds cannabis, but is about cannabis in the way that it's like infused into work and into our routines and into our lives. And so again that's that that moment of like denying maybe how crucial and how important and how like 
compatible those two things can be. But obviously, right, we all have our limits and boundaries when it comes to even like ourselves and what we're um, consuming, you know, during the day. But I just I just find that to be so hot. It's like, yeah, all the shit that I've done that's been good is usually (laughs) when I've been high. And there's no denying that. And I think it's a good reminder, you know. It really is. I mean, and also on that just like large scale note, like weed fuels critical thinking. Yes. Sometimes that critical thinking is really distracting and it leads you to go through a three hour internet rabbit hole about a conspiracy your positive is real. Like <laughs> it sometimes leads to those kind of things. But ultimately, like that the the mental shift that happens, like relaxation's great, anxiety is good to calm, but I also really appreciate that switch that can flip that that can Mm. question it it like puts you in a different mindset where it's like maybe I've been thinking about a story I'm writing all day long while I'm out and about doing stuff and I'm not stoned but the minute I get high I will think about it differently and I will identify corners of the story that I haven't yet considered or issues like where it's like oh shit I am gonna need to touch on that and that and Maybe I'm not going to write as quickly in the next three hours, (laughs) but I am going to do research that would not have been possible without weed. There are so many moments where certain things don't seem like they fit or intersect, at least initially. But then with the consumption of cannabis, with like a little edible at night, there's this like spaciousness, like you're saying, that kind of helps to connect these dots in a critical way or in a more creative sort of abstract way. And that I think is really powerful, even if it doesn't make sense to everyone initially. I I think there are so many moments where you see it play out, like you're saying, perhaps in an article or even some sort of documentary or, you know, some sort of multimedia art. Like I think cannabis has a way of bringing so many intersecting thoughts together and that can show up with work and with creative work as well. When it helps connect the dots, that is it. That is the feeling. So we kind of touched on this when you were talking about being in New York and you said you you sampled a little local fare as in Delta 8. Um, But like on the topic of travel, when you're on a trip, do you typically find yourself taking a tolerance break? Is it something you will seek out? I know you had family there, which helps in New York, family and friends. It's actually something that I, I almost never travel with flour for the sake of the show, if the feds are listening, I should probably say I never travel with anything. But um, it's just never been like, it's just never been worth the risk, especially coming from a background of like cultivation, you know, to get caught with like weed, and then all of a sudden your scene is busted, like, absolutely not, you know, you can always find weed wherever you go, It, it will be there. But what is fascinating is though, I had this conversation in New York, and I went into this Delta 8 shop, like the flower was so beautiful and so fresh and he was just kind of like oh you should totally like take some back with you and I'm like ah you know like it's not really that worth it for me you know and I was kind of considering a cartridge instead 
And he just like kind of aggressively was telling me how like he had traveled and like even got oh caught God. several times. But he just says it's CBD and nothing happens. And I'm looking at him and I'm kind of like, was this a white person? Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a white dude. It was a bro. Okay. And he was just like, you know, it's not about race. Like they don't just they don't care about weed anymore. And it it just oh, like, man, it brings me to reality when I recognize like still it's just going to be different for me if I ever travel with it. So no, I don't bring it with me. And I think sometimes it does lend to certain tolerance breaks. And I don't know, even the like fun and pleasure of like trying to get weed, you know, like wherever you are, like that international stash or international like weed person scenario is always kind of interesting and uh, memorable. But, but yeah, that, that's something that I just don't do. But I know that a lot of people do it successfully. I know that if it's okay for me to say, you have. And I I'm have. curious, like, does that, everybody must love you, especially if you're going places where there aren't, <laughs> <laughs> where there isn't like good organ grown or California grown herb. Like, what's that experience like when you bring it out, you open your suitcase, like you've already been, you know, wherever you are and you're ready to share or you're ready to like spend consume man a huge part of my life of yes traveling more often with weed than not is really having a friggin' defense attorney for a dad like it, you know we're talking mm. about feeling confident feeling privileged i want having that. <laughs> having a defense attorney on call is a is a pretty big big tool belt that made me feel way way more brash than i ever ever would have with and i'm like very I when I was in college getting to know weed in such a weed friendly town like Santa Cruz gave me a problematically naive idea of weed of how normal it was like I flew <laughs> for, between the San Jose airport and Portland airport so extremely casually with weed pre-legalization pre-having a medical card that I had a really naive introduction to traveling with weed. I mean that is speaking to a California Oregon thing like I for the first time brought weed to a redder state across the country and that was a way sweatier experience but Oh fuck. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't even know if that was normal or a scary thing to do because I really got both perspectives from everybody. So if I'm going somewhere farther away than weed friendly legal states in America, I do assume I will be taking a tolerance break. And yes, if I'm there with weed friendly people, I am very keen to do as the Romans do and find out whatever their local experience is. Like when yeah. I when I studied abroad leaving you know in the middle of my Santa Cruz weed haze I didn't think I would find weed in France because it sounded kind of weird like I couldn't even find the slang term for weed in French like it it just seemed like a rarer substance and then I learned it's all about hash and I pretty right. much met Splits. a dealer as easily as you would in a college town like at a bar just in conversation and and bought really weird, fine, gross bricks of hash that burnt the F out of my throat. <laughs> and I would like sprinkle it up with tobacco and roll little little powdery, hashy spliffs. And it would give me kind of high, but it mainly just hurt and nursed a tobacco Aww. addiction. But um, uh, I tried it. And, and when I went to India, they found flour, people that I was, I went to a friend's marriage and there were, and I really didn't expect to experience anything other than hash there. And then 
somebody busts out this beautiful eighth of flower. It was like, all right, here we go. What do you know? Yes, yes. I mean, they they love weed in India. I'm just open. I'm open to the adventure. But yeah, I, I too am cautious and I don't, if I'm going farther than weed-friendly territories, I do prepare for a little tolerance break. Yeah, I think it's a good way to roll. But I also think that there will be a moment maybe in our lifetimes I'm not sure where that's not going to be so much of an issue like maybe homie bro at the LES uh Delta 8 shop is right that eventually they'll just be like ah it's weed whatever you know maybe they'll even test it to see like what kind of cannabinoid structures exist and are present but I I do have a hard time seeing that day and, and I feel like it's never really worth that risk Right. I mean, it is a it's a real ass risk. Like when I went to Seoul, I reached out to somebody at Sunday school and it was a few years ago when I first went and I was very much like ready to bring edibles and like feeling pretty confident about that. And they were like, literally, don't even tell anyone what you do back home. Like you shouldn't even say the word weed out loud when you're there because someone you talk to could just go talk to the police when they're done, like at a bar and go tell mm-hmm. a policeman that there's a potential weed dealer in this location. So it is just not the same. Like America is a little bubble. And even then, like I've been looking for some, I've been talking to like some new contributors for Thrillist and looking in for people in newly legal states. People don't want to write about, I mean, there is still just like a reminder of the, of the enduring stigma. Like it is still a really big deal for some people to, put their name on something that even associates with weed in these other states. And as yeah. a naive West Coaster in my little weed legal bubble, it's been an, a little reminder that not everywhere is is the West Coast as far as just like more collective acceptance of weed as like a legitimate medicinal plant than others. It's still we still got work to do. We're still doing important work. That is the takeaway, though. We've got work to do. This episode was edited by Jen Nathan. Our music is by Giselle Garcia. And our logo design is by Jennifer Wright. Learn more about Broccoli and subscribe to the magazine at broccolimag.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>